Our scripture this morning is from 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. So one of the things that I found myself doing over the holidays, and maybe some of you did this as well, um, was flipping through old family albums. I think I was initially looking for, for a photo of a past Christmas and trying to remember when something happened, and I was flipping through all these old pictures, and, and I realized something as I was doing that, that getting older just happens. I mean, look at that child, and I don't mean Owen. I mean, like... <laughs> Oh my goodness, those are like children, having children. But, uh, you know, when you look through pictures like that, it can, it can be kind of sobering, and you realize, like, wow, time just keeps going on. It just keeps ticking by. Now, there was uh, another time towards the end of the year, we had, uh, Melissa and I had friends over. For those of you who've been around for a long time, you'll know Ben and Sarah Kibble. Uh, they kind of really partnered with Melissa and I building the church uh, uh, when we started things up about 20 years ago. Uh, so they came over for dinner and hung out, and, and as the night was going on, we started talking about old memories and that, and so I started flipping through old church photos as well. And I thought I'd share a couple here. We got uh, Curtis Vandergrint dressed up as a cow here, and Carolyn Gingrich dressed up as, I think it's a flower or or some kind of vegetable. I don't know what it is, but anyways, and I, I was thinking about the fact that, yeah, I mean, we get older as well, and, and in a sense, it's like, wow, like, I am, like, look totally different than when I did 20 years ago, uh, but the same thing can be said about a church. As a church gets older, it can look different. It can get older over the course of time. Now, over the course of the past year, our staff and steering committee have been talking about the kinds of things that we'd like to bring into focus in this next season of our life together. And so what I'd like to invite you to do is to imagine with me that we've just flipped the calendar, not to 2020, but to 2025. As another year winds to a close and we get ready to flip the calendar into 2025, I'd like to pause and describe what I see when I step back and take a good look at our church. I'll tell you this much. Elevation is thriving in a way I wasn't sure was possible, and that's saying a lot coming from someone who is hopelessly optimistic. But the journey we've been on over the past five years has demonstrated what can happen when a community really gets on board with a vision. Of course, one important thing we've learned since that first casting this vision five years ago is that we need to be able to adjust on the fly. Some of the paths we followed were not even visible to us when we first set out on the journey, and that's just part of the joy of following God's lead together. All in all, I feel so proud of our church today, and I want to celebrate how far we've come. For starters, I'm proud of the way we've owned our responsibility to share the story of Jesus with those in our circles of influence. 
We've always said that Elevation is a place for the spiritually curious, but now we're finally being proactive about it by creating opportunities for people who don't have much or any church experience to journey alongside us. People like Joe. Many of you know him in part because he's up here playing bass with the worship team, but that wasn't the case two years ago. During a conversation at a backyard barbecue, Joe's neighbor's group, you know who you are, invited him to join them that Sunday morning. And he found Elevation to be the kind of community where he could ask his questions and explore faith at his own pace. Part of what made that barbecue conversation possible was the work we did as a church coming up with language that would help people understand what it is we're inviting people to. Not just to church, but to an intentional way of life rooted in community and oriented around Jesus. The Sunday morning service that Joe first joined us was planned with someone who would be attending church for the first time in mind. And what Joe found that morning was a group of people who saw the world differently and lived accordingly. And that was compelling to him. I've seen a similar story play out for many of you who call Elevation Home today. And it's a key part of what makes me love this church. All of this begins with a belief that the faith we value so much in our own lives is worth sharing beyond these walls. And so we've stretched ourselves into new ways of thinking about church and are experimenting with new ways to connect with people in our spheres of influence. The result is that we're meeting dozens of people like Joe who are exploring faith for the first time, or the first time in a long time, and we're seeing what happens when people begin to pattern their lives after Jesus. Spiritual formation has really taken root in our community as a whole, and not only with those who are new to faith. Five years ago, we started working on an idea that would help people understand what it meant to grow in faith as a member of Elevation, and then we invited everyone into a season of reflection and to really pursuing God together. People started getting really honest about where they were at on the journey and began making the kinds of investments that have led to some serious health and growth. We're hearing reports about everything from your financial well-being to your marriages to the relationships in your lives where you've been struggling with reconciliation. We're hearing stories of real deep transformation. I'm not sure we've ever had a season of spiritual vitality like this at Elevation. It's just incredible. And this personal transformation has strengthened our commitment to the world around us. As I think back on all the work we put into revisioning our approach to mission, I'm so encouraged to see how strong our partnerships are today as people have really become more actively involved, living generous lives that are outflowing in support of both local and global neighbors. As a community, we're more ready than ever to channel our time and resources for the sake of others. And the stories we're hearing prove that the personal transformation we're seeing is having an impact in ever-widening circles. When we gather to worship on Sunday mornings, we're doing so in a place that is really and truly home for us. After so many years living with questions about what might happen, we finally know where we will be for the long run. The building is being used to its full capacity seven days a week, and it's not only our congregation, but others as well, along with a nursery school and other valuable community groups. We're no longer holding on to a large expansion fund because we created an opportunity to invest in the wider community, which has been a life-giving decision for our church. I see so many of you getting involved with the new venture we've started up right here on the property. That's something we've been dreaming of for years. Sunday mornings are vibrant and inspiring as we worship together with a renewed passion. If you've been around for a few years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Something has clicked along the way, and we've been seeing people marking, making our weekly gatherings a priority, showing up with a newfound expectation that God wants to meet with us when we gather as a community of faith. We're continuing to wrestle together with the call to follow Jesus, and I'm hearing more and more examples of how the things we talk about in our sermons and we're discussing together around tables are making their way into our homes, our neighborhoods, our schools, and our workplaces. And we're growing into this space of ours too, finally breaking through the invisible attendance barrier we bumped up against for so many years. 
For a while, it seemed like every arrival was matched by a departure, and I wasn't sure if we'd ever break through that 300 people gathering on a Sunday morning. Well, we always shied away from talking about numbers, partly because we didn't want to focus on externals like that, but I wonder if maybe it was partly because we were afraid of losing something if we grew. But our commitment to holding on to the good things we have while inviting others to join us has naturally resulted in numerical growth. And I don't know about you, but I don't feel like we've lost anything at all. Community is still at the heart of Elevation and always will be. As new people find us, they're getting involved too and are eager to build new relationships and serve without waiting a year or two like we used to see. We're all meeting new people, developing new friendships, often starting with our neighbors groups, which are definitely a key part of strengthening our community these days. When I look out at the congregation on a Sunday morning, I see a community that is so much more diverse than we were five years ago. We've always been diverse when it comes to theology, which in many ways is an accomplishment of its own, but I remember growing uncomfortable with just how middle class and white our community was. It sounds harsh to put it that way, but we all knew we were missing out on something significant by not having other voices at the table. Now we're finally starting to benefit from a more well-rounded demographic and it feels like this is the way church is supposed to be. It's changed the food we eat when we get together, the music we play on Sunday mornings, and the kinds of relationships that are being built. I think about little Simona, who's all of eight years old. She wouldn't have been able to participate in Kids Quest five years ago because of the physical barrier she faced getting up the stairs. I think about Alan and how much we've all learned about joy from someone who in the past might have wondered if there was a place for him here because of his unique challenges. Or Nadim and Dahlia, whose journey to Canada has been every bit as transformational for us as it has been for them as they put down roots in our congregation. I could go on, but the main thing is that while we started off worshiping and doing life who didn't always look, sound, or think like us, now the us has been totally redefined and we're so much better for it. Of course, this reminds me of the challenging year that 2018 was for Elevation. As I reflect back on it, it all seems so long ago but I'm really proud of the work we did to create a way for us to live together as a community of people who won't always see things the same way. Our decision to open our doors wider to our LGBTQ friends and neighbors paved the way to meet some amazing people who are now just part of the family, growing in life and faith right alongside us at Elevation. There's no doubt in my mind that we all have a deeper understanding of the love and grace of God as a result of that challenging season. Over the past few years, we finally found our way back to the students of our city, too, and I see them scattered around every Sunday morning. Some of them sit in pockets with each other, but others choose to sit with people in the congregation who've had them over to their homes and welcome them into their families while they're on their own studying here in Waterloo. The Human Beings Project we started way back when really opened our eyes to new ways to help students connect life and faith, and it's been an exciting season of experimenting ever since. But it's not just new students from out of town either. Some of our homegrown students have been graduating from their youth group and taking real ownership for the life of the church. That's something we've longed to see for years, and it's finally happening. One of those same graduates is actually about to come on staff to work with our youth. As most of you know, she grew up in Kids Quest, has been mentored over the years by Graham, and even interned with us last year. And now we're so excited to have her jumping on board in this new role. The youth group is growing. We finally saw that baby boom of ours reach high school, and now we have more than 80 kids out on a weekly basis. It's not just our own kids either, but the youth have caught the same vision for invitation, and we're seeing their peers coming out, having a blast, some of them talking about how their lives have changed since they were first introduced to Jesus. And that excites me to no end, because my own journey of faith really came to life when someone invited me out to a youth group and exposed me to the life-changing message that I was loved by God and that the purpose I was looking for in life could be found in Jesus. 
For a long time, Elevation has been inspiring young families to journey with us, and a big part of that has been our ministry to children. We've been seeing so much growth, not only in the number of young families joining us, but growth in the way we're raising our children up in a genuine, experiential faith in Jesus. We're confident that our kids feel loved by God and know that they have an important role in what God is doing in the church and in the world. Let me just say that maybe the biggest miracle of all is that I can't even remember the last time we struggled to find a teacher or helper to lead our kids on a Sunday morning. That's how invested our community is in our youngest members. From one end of the age spectrum to the other, a growing and gradually aging congregation brings with it more trials and tribulations as time passes. But that's life. And what I'm seeing around here is a community of people who are more committed to doing life together than ever before. I can remember when the idea of community-led pastoral care was just taking shape. Today, I don't even hear about so much that is happening in people's lives because they're being cared so well for by the people around them. I went to a funeral visitation for someone in the church recently, and when I introduced myself to the member's family, they all knew about Elevation and were so impressed by the love and support the church had shown them. It was a little embarrassing when I realized that they didn't know who I was, but I thought, hey, that's exactly how it should be. Some of the things I see when I step back and take a good look at our church have been strength of ours from day one. No surprises there. But some of what I see has pushed its way through the dirt of our resistance, the soil of phrases like, we've never done it that way, or that doesn't quite seem like us. And those new sprouts have blossomed before our eyes as we've paid attention to how the Spirit has been leading our community. In so many ways, we're still the same church we've always been, but in many other ways, it feels like we're finally becoming the church we've always wanted to be. So how do I feel about our church right now? I feel like we're clicking, like we're being the Jesus-centered community that we've always wanted to be, like we're really and truly living out our key values in a way that has transformed the kind of people we are, the way we love and serve others, and the impact we're having on our city and the world around us. I'm beyond thankful that I continue to have the privilege of guiding our journey alongside an incredible staff and steering committee, and I know we're all looking forward to what God has in store as we prepare to launch out into the next 25 years of Elevation's journey. Oh. I wrote that a while ago um, this year and I've been holding on to it. And now I feel a bit like um, a 15-year-old boy who leans over to a significant other and whispers the words, I love you, for the first time. It's like when you say it, it's out there, right? Like you can think it, you can feel it, you can want it, but like when you say the words, then it's like, what happens, right? It's one thing to have something on paper. It's another thing to say it and say, okay, this is what we're chasing after. This is where we want to be. These are the things that matter to us. This month, I'm going to be unpacking four different opportunities that our leadership believes will help lead us into a season of healthy growth and maturity. Next week, we're going to talk about this culture of invitation. The week after, Kristen Taylor is going to lead us into a conversation about renewed spiritual vitality. And then the final week this month, I'm going to talk about that diverse community. The one thing I want to make clear, though, is that this isn't about replacing our key values. We hang on to those. We cling to those. Those are at the core of who we are as a community. But there are some things in our community's life that we, we talk about year after year. Man, wouldn't it be great if? Wouldn't it be great if? And what we're saying now as a leadership is we're chasing after these things. We're going to be intentional about them, and we're going to get there. Because talking about it and wanting it and wishing it is not going to do anything. But we need to be intentional. So that's what we're doing here. This morning, I want to talk about a place to call home one of the four prongs of this vision. We're going to talk about what it means to explore our desire and ability to put down roots at 22 Willow. 
as well as what it means to intentionally invest in our surrounding community. The one thing I do want to say is this isn't a five-year plan. I don't actually have anything to kind of present as far as this is what's happening next. It's more about building some five-year momentum, getting the wheels started in motion, and you guys will all be part of figuring out what the five-year plan looks like. I want to start, though, this morning by going back in time, Exodus chapter 33. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend, and then Moses would return to the camp. This is how it all began, the idea of having a place where you would meet with God. Initially, it was just Moses. It was Moses and God meeting. It was in a tent outside the camp of the rest of the people. One person would meet with God. That's how it worked. Centuries went by until David became Israel's second king. He longed to build a temple for God, but because of his exploits in war, the Lord said, no, you won't be the one to do this for me. It'll be your son, Solomon. And so 2 Chronicles 3.1 says, Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. We read about this also in 1 Kings chapter 6, verses 11 to 13. The word of the Lord came to Solomon. As for this temple you are building, if you follow my decrees, carry out my regulations, and keep all my commands and obey them, I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David your father, and I will live among the Israelites and will not abandon my people Israel. This is a remarkable development in the history of religion, that God would live among God's people. In the past, I think up till that point, people thought gods were out in the heavens. They were somewhere far away. They were on some mountain somewhere. But God was saying, no, I'm going to actually come and live among you. And so Solomon built a temple that stood for 370 years until the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it in the year 587 BC and carried away what was left of all of its treasures. Once again, the centuries passed, and a new king, Herod, took the throne, and he had a vision to make his version of the temple even more magnificent than Solomon's, and he basically succeeded. And so one day, Jesus and his followers are walking around. This is found in Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple, was walking away when his disciples came up to him, called his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Today, all that remains of the second temple is what's known as the Wailing Wall, which is pretty darn close to what Jesus said as his disciples were staring in awe at this place where God would meet with his people. Because the followers of Jesus, members of the early church, including Paul, who wrote a letter to the Corinthians, he understood something different was happening now. He asked them, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. Now, it's not uh, anymore a tent. It's not about a tabernacle. It's not a most holy place hidden behind a curtain in a temple, but the presence of God is right smack dab in the midst of God's people. It's so important that we understand this before we start, start talking about having a home. When I was thinking about a home, I was thinking about Uh, moving, and it's been a long time since our families moved, Uh, 14 years basically. Jude was a baby when we moved. Uh, I was trying to think about what I remember of that actual moving day. Uh, The one thing I remember was the truck that I rented because it was a long weekend and I didn't book a truck in advance, so the only truck I could get was this massive moving. Like, we didn't have half that money possessions, but I had this massive moving truck and I remember picking it up from someplace downtown Kitchener and I'm driving down King Street and it had one of those gear shifts that was about like this, this giant thing, and I was like this and and the brakes took a long time to respond. I remember thinking like, there's like a light turned red. I'm like, yeah, right. Like just like, through you go. Like, I mean, there's no way I'm stopping this beast. I felt pretty good. Anyways, I, 
you know, as I think about moving, the one thing I do remember aside from the truck is being really nostalgic about things. I remember being nostalgic about the rose bushes that I would prune every year, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to get to do this anymore. And, and I remember being nostalgic about the trees that I had also kind of pruned going into our backyard into a bit of an archway, and the tree that I would sit, at, sit out under and read in the summer. And I remember looking around the backyard and thinking, like, man, like, we've brought all our kids home to this house. Like, nothing's ever going to be the same. Like, and then it's like a week later, I don't think I thought about that house for years. You know what I mean? If you've ever had that experience, it's like, I was so nostalgic. Like, we could never walk away from this. And all of a sudden, we're in a new place, and it was exciting. And I was like, this is where our future lies. It's incredible. The pain of letting go was replaced by the joy of making a new home. Now, our reading this morning, Paul draws a parallel to this moving experience as a commentary on just how much more appealing our eternal house would be. For we know, he writes, that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Now let me spell this out real clearly. This passage has nothing to do with church buildings. It doesn't. This is, he's not talking about buildings. He's not talking about like literal tents and literal houses. He's talking about the body. What this passage does speak to, though, is the temporary nature of material things and that the desire that Jesus' followers should have to live as a part of a reality that isn't so much tied down to stuff. Now, we're all happy that I'm talking about this now and not at the beginning of December, right? Like, if I would have been talking about not tying down to stuff, all of that busy shopping you would have done and all the excitement of tearing presents open, that wouldn't have been quite as exciting. So we'll talk about it now after the fact. We groan, he said, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Now, Paul is the king of mixed metaphors. In this, like, little tiny paragraph, he uses four different things. He talks about the difference. He compares, like, a tent to a building, being naked to being clothed, being mortal to having, like, real eternal life, being at home to being away. But there's a point. It all points in the same direction. There's more to life than this. The things that are happening right around us, the place that we're in, this body, this is not what it's all about. There's something much more significant than this. Therefore, he continues, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we live by faith and not by sight. And this last piece summarizes both the challenge and the commitment of the spiritual life. The challenge is, can we actually live by faith? instead of by sight. That's the challenge of it. And that's the commitment. We're committed to living by faith and not by sight, not allowing the things that are right in front of us to define where we're going. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Which is why I chose this passage to give shape to this morning's conversation. Where we are doesn't matter half as much as what we're doing wherever it is that we are. So what does it mean for a church to have a home? Well, the idea of this series around a five-year vision is to start conversations. There are no announcements to be made. There are no plans in the works. If you're out there trying to read between the lines, don't waste your time. It's just blank space. There's nothing between the lines. There's no subtle text you're supposed to get out of this. Nothing has changed. Nothing is changing. We just want to start a conversation. Over the next few months, we're going to be holding some initial dialogues outside of Sunday mornings around these four themes to kind of see what kind of questions we want to ask. We're saying, okay, our leadership has determined that these things matter to us, so what kind of questions do we want to ask? What direction do we want to go in as we begin down this path? Rather than making assumptions about what a church should do when it comes to facilities based on what other churches have done or are doing, let's ask some questions about who God is calling us to be and where the Spirit may be leading elevation. 
And so here is maybe the summary of it. Over the next five years, we would like to discern what our long-term home will look like. That's what we want to be able to say five years from now. We want to do the work to get to a place where we could answer that question. Elevation has had a very nomadic history. Uh, we began, I, again, I did some digging in the photo gallery here. Uh, the top left, we began meeting in a classroom at Haggy Hall at the University of Waterloo. Um, and so there, a few of us gathered. We would have maybe 12, 15 people gathering on a Sunday morning. That's how we began. Um, from there, we moved and, and uh, we met at the Turret, which is a nightclub at Laurier. We met there just for part of the year because they closed for the summer for renovations. So while they closed, we moved on to Fed Hall. Um, the next, that's a picture of an early discussion group uh, in the kind of light-colored sweater there. That's Tony Russell. That's right. He's been around that long. Um, uh, so we met at Fed Hall for a while. Uh, when the rent got too expensive, we moved uh, just up the street to the rec complex. Uh, this, is our, this is our home there for nine years. You know, I, you can see how we miss the, the low ceilings in that place. So uninspiring being in a place like this. We met at the rec complex, and it was a big deal when we moved there. We went from, like at Fed Hall, we had one room for our kids. It was the coat check room. We got the hangers out of the way and shoved the kids in there. Some of you remember. And then so we went to the rec complex. All of a sudden, we had three rooms. It was like... Revival had broken out. It was incredible. We had all of this space. And, uh, and for years, this was our life. And then we moved here seven years ago. I think it's been seven years ago. You know, we came, we found out that uh, the Lutheran congregation, St. John's, was having, uh, was struggling. They were struggling. And we saw an opportunity to come alongside them and, and help them keep their home and help us find a, a home for ourselves, a place that had higher ceilings, a place that had more classrooms for kids, a place that had room for our youth to meet, a place that had offices that weren't in a sketchy part of town that got broken into on a regular basis. And so here we are, and we've been here for seven, for seven years now. Um, early in that journey, maybe in our first year, I assume, here being at 22 Willow, uh, Jesse Moranger was our, youship, our worship leader. And he's a singer and songwriter and actually wrote a song about uh, our arrival at this place. And we haven't sung it for years because it, it doesn't really make as much sense now. Um, but I wanted to share some of the lyrics to you. Um, it begins this way, to be in this space with these windows and these faces, we want to thank you. And it's this beautiful song, but really the part I want to read is the bridge. Um, he says, he writes, for years we never had a home no place that we could call our own. Although we've always known your love and grace, you never change whether or not we've had a home to gather in. All the same, we want to say that we are blessed beyond compare to be here. When he sang those lyrics, we were all just like, yes, like this is exactly how we feel. Just this gratitude, this thankfulness for where God had brought us. And that is certainly still the case. I think we could sing those lyrics accurately. But there are question marks about our future. I think that's the reality. Again, this is nothing new. We have a kind of a rental contract. We're just entering the third year of a five-year contract, which is our second go-around. And, and so there's no permanence to it, right? And it, there's no indication or no sign or no suggestion or no hint that, that it won't be permanent, but there, there isn't that commitment. And we've asked for it and haven't received it yet. And so I said earlier I wanted to explore our, one of the things I wanted to explore is our desire to put down roots 
at 22 Willow. And so the first thing is we have to ask questions about, is this the place we want to be for the long run? Is this our home till the Lord returns? I mean, is this the, the home that we will always have? Is this the best place for us? Stuart Murray asks, says that having their own church building may encourage churches to operate with a centripetal come rather than centrifugal go mentality and mission. So we need to ask some good questions. Can this place be a place where we can grow that's not only good for us, but is also good for the people who aren't here yet and for the community around us that we want to serve? We need to ask those kinds of questions. So is it our desire to make this a long-term home? And secondly, um, we will need to explore our ability to put down roots at 22 Willow. Uh, so we began a partnership agreement with St. John's Lutheran Church, and as many of you know, St. John's amalgamated with two other struggling Lutheran churches, and they're now Trillium, and so you see that kind of verbiage around the church building, Trillium Lutheran Church, and um, this has been a significant season of transition for them. Uh, some of you may or may not be aware that both of their pastoral leaders have uh, finished their time with us, uh, with the first Pastor Fred in, in November, and Pastor Annette, her last service was actually Christmas Eve with us, um, and has moved on as well, and so they are going through a time of transition. They have a, an interim pastor who's a fantastic person. I got to know him a little bit lately, um, and expecting a new pastor possibly in the spring or the summer, and so there's a lot of transition that they've been going through, going through this amalgamation, leadership changes. And so there are a lot of question marks that they have, and that affects question marks for us, right? What is their desire for their future? We've used language over the years about wanting to link arms together and discern a future together. Is there an opportunity for us to engage in mission together in significant ways here at 22 Willow? Maybe, but there are question marks. And one of the things that we're beginning to talk to Trillium's leadership about is basically saying we don't want there to be question marks as of five years from now. We want us to have a good sense of where we're going. And one of the reasons for that, again, to, to go back to Jesse's song, one of the lines says, help us to live out your kingdom here in this place. Because we want to be able to do that. We want to be able to live out all that God is calling to us to wherever we are. And if that's here, we need to know that we can do that fully. One of the things that uh, has been, again, a question that's been raised over the last few years is around our building fund. We have a substantial expansion fund in the church, kind of waiting for that time where we'll be able to put our roots down somewhere. But we don't want to go by kind of year after year, decade after decade, hanging on to this money that could be used to do something incredible in our city, right? So we want to answer some of these questions so we can make some significant decisions um, that will allow us to have uh, meaningful impact. We want to uh, invest ourselves as good as we possibly can. And so this morning is really just about framing some key questions. We'll find the answers as we listen to the Spirit's voice together and as we open ourselves up to following God's lead along the way. Like I said, I'm not here to chart out a path, but to say this is a path we're going to begin walking down together. I'm not here to provide answers to the questions, but to say let's start figuring out what the best questions for us to ask are and to invite you to be part of that process. So I'll close with a thought um, from 2 Corinthians 5, uh, again, from our reading this morning. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. And so as we begin this, this season of kind of discernment and entering into this idea of like, what is the next five years going to look like from us? How can we build this momentum? Where is God leading us? I want us to keep these words front and center. We live by faith and not by sight. And I want us to all have the faith this morning that God will lead us into a bright and exciting future together. I invite you to stand. 
I want to pray as we close here this morning that God's grace and peace would be with Elevation as we journey on in faith together. Lord, that's our prayer. Uh, We begin a new year, we begin a new decade, and God, it's our desire not to just continue on as we have been, uh, but to chase after the things that, that you want us to chase after. And as Elevation's leadership has been discerning some of these areas, God, and and as our whole congregation now begins to take ownership of it, it, God, I ask that your spirit would be involved in this process, that as we engage in these conversations starting now in the gym around tables, and as we get together uh, over the course of the winter and early spring to begin this conversation, God, I pray that you would stir things up in our hearts, that we would not be satisfied, that we would be able to celebrate who we are and how far we've come, but we would be more excited and more focused on where you still want to bring us as a community. And so, God, lead us. Go ahead of us. We don't want to go anywhere without your Spirit. So we pray these things with a sense of excitement in Christ's name. Amen.